from the Rose City in beautiful downtown Portland, Oregon, home of bikes, books, bridges, beards, food carts, startups, and indie coffee. Grab your dog, snatch your hammer and beer, leave your umbrella at home. Welcome to the Tiny House Podcast. It's the Tiny House Podcast, and I'm Perry Gruber. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Michelle J. Boyle. Wow. And this is Mark Donald Grimes. <laughs> Coming at you. Coming at you. With a six-pack to back you. In your crack you. I'm not a good rapper. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. No, I'm not glad. <laughs> Don't quit your day job. So, but we enjoy you trying, though. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. So um, this is our third episode we've recorded today. A little behind-the-scenes sneak there. We are oh, doing rummy. Sh- yes, we are rummy because we do these things back to back. We're already hitting the hooch. Yes, and ready to scooch out this pooch. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's a rhyming. I'm out. Sh- it's a rhyming show. <laughs> it is a about rhyme. to go. Oh no! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> so, um, <clears throat> Michelle was just uh, regaling me with her beautiful little tiny house that she's building. Which is pretty phenomenal looking. Beautiful. Thank you. Thank I would you. almost call that a yellow ochre. It's it's bright, bright, bright yellow. Is it bright, bright, bright yellow? It's so bright yellow. My boyfriend hates the color so much. He wanted he tells everybody, Don't ask, I didn't pick it. It's mm. it's super, super bright. It's meant to be memorable. Mm. Where are you gonna put it when it's done? I mm. am going to put it pretty adjacent um, adjacent to the where I'm at right now oh. on the Christmas tree farm mm-hmm. in Sherwood. I'm going to rent it out on Airbnb. Mm. Um, we have 10 wineries within about 15 minutes of mm-hmm. where it will be parked. So it'll kind of be a tiny house wine weekend destination kind of thing. Nice. So re- thank you for asking. I'm really, really proud of it. it. The build is going really well and it's really beautiful. And even though most, even though you don't get it, like, I can't wait till it comes together. Then everybody go like, oh, I that's see. why it's yellow and orange and yeah. blue and green and red. And yeah. So yeah. thank Very you for asking. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. really proud of it. Yeah. And your boyfriend is, is doing most of the build. Yeah. Yeah. He's doing the framing. Mm-hmm. So his, he had the opportunity to do the framing and I was like, sold. Mm. Here you go. There's the trailer. There's the pile of lumber. There's the pile of money. <laughs> um, call me if you need anything else, which most of the time involves things like breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I do a lot. Of, you know, I mean, I, I work on as much stuff as he'll quote unquote let me. This weekend I drilled. I could not even feel my shoulders yesterday. This weekend I drilled 56, drilled and screened 56 vent holes. Um, wow. So you're on a 12-foot ladder. And you're drilling, you know, three-inch vent holes. Yeah. It, it was a lot of work. So, wow. I still, I still work on it. But I'm more of a, at this point in the build, I'm more of a builder's assistant. Mm-hmm. He gives me all the shitty jobs mm-hmm. to do, and have to clean up and shit like that. Hmm. Um, but then once it comes, it'll get towed back to my neck of the woods soon, nice. and then I will be back in charge. And they're very cool. Well. Um, we know the f- full story of your boyfriend, but at least in the way that you've described him, he sounds very much like a fictional character. <laughs> <laughs> and our guests amazing. today <laughs> have created, it seems like, what might be a runaway success of um, some fictional characters that we're going to find out more about. This is the Tiny House Podcast Literary Edition. 
Children's Literary Edition. Children's Literary Edition. Courtney and Susan, welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks Hello. for having us. We're happy you're here. So tell us the story. How, how, what has happened? And yeah, tell us. Pun the intended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, unintended, but yeah. Tell us the story. This what, is Susan. What? Um, it's been a really fast rolling, quick year. Uh, last March, we met Christian and Alexis of Tiny House Expedition, who have put something like 25,000 miles on their tiny house. And they were in Los Angeles for an event that my partner was having at our house. And they parked their tiny house in front of my house and took one look and fell in love with it. And I write children's books and I, I see everything through poetry and metaphor. And when I saw how they were repurposing materials and they were living tiny and traveling and following their dreams, it just, I found it very inspiring. And I told Courtney, who's my illustrating partner, and she said, that sounds like a great picture book. <laughs> so, and then and then we started uh, creating it. And, and now the book is done. Thank goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so in less than a year, we went from idea to printed books. Wow, and you and guys had no, sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was gonna say it's gonna be officially released April 25th, but um, we have the books now. So we're, 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 uh, we're giving them out. We're getting it, our Kickstarter backers uh, first priority and getting it out to them so, so they, they all get it a month ahead of schedule yeah very nice and and uh, did either of you know about the tiny house movement before this happened oh yeah yeah oh, okay. my, i used to watch all the tiny house shows and i i lived in tiny houses although they weren't there was no tiny house movement at the time they were just normal houses they were just <laughs> tiny and um when she was a kid when i was a up. kid yeah um so yeah i i just i love the idea of the independence and the DIY nature of it. My whole family's in construction, so I've kind of grow, grown up with like carpenters and building stuff my whole life. So I just loved all that. Well, we definitely want to get back to that story. But first, can you f flesh out a little bit what this book is about? It's called The Big Adventures of Tiny House, and it's told from the perspective of the house. So the, the, the house is the main character. And uh, Tiny used to be an old farmhouse that's abandoned, and he gets salvaged and recycled into a tiny house on wheels. And he's bright yellow, so. He's oh. also bright yellow with red shutters. Oh. What <laughs> uh, he has, what and he has friends. He has other friends. And he does. He He's sitting there on his rolling foundation wondering how he will get to his next destination. I do a lot of rhyming, too. <laughs> um, and along comes Big Truck, a, a, an old vintage uh, truck that's green that hitches him up and starts towing him around the country. So he starts to go on his adventures that way. Nice. Yeah, he meets a, he meets a vintage Airstream named shiny and a schoolie named Buster and a houseboat named Waverly among others. Oh. That he, that the tiny house jamboree. And he goes all over America and to a tiny house jamboree, the tiny house jamboree. And at the end, he and his friends decide to settle down and create a tiny house village together. Oh. But he always has the option to travel if he wants to. Uh... He gets the itch. <laughs> <laughs> he likes to scratch. Susan and I had so much fun. So we just we just uh, you know got to meet up again. Uh, we we run into each other all over the country, but we got know, to meet it up again. Like we do. Yeah, we got to meet up again um, at the Georgia Tiny House Festival. And I kid you not, there they had a purple school bus, a green truck, just no. like she had in her book. Yes, an Airstream, just like she had in her book. So she had a ton of fun taking wow. uh, taking pictures with herself and the various characters in her book. Um, and Tiny House Expedition, um, Alex and, and was there, and um, 
it was it was a ton of fun. In fact, she and I even got a picture in front of the green truck character together. That was fun. We did. We did. I, I, it was crazy. Like, I had stepped into the pages of the book. It yes. was on this beautiful rolling green hills and a farm, the Ulala Lavender Farm. And there were dozens of uh, tiny houses and other types of uh, vehicles there. It was It was a great experience. And really... The fact that there was a purple bus, a green vintage truck, and a shiny all within eye distance of where I was sitting <laughs> is pretty remarkable. So that wasn't intentional. That was totally by coincidence. Totally by coincidence. Yeah. Wow. I decided I wanted the bus to be purple. It seemed like he needed yeah, to be so purple. Yeah, so we have a purple bus in our book. book, and there was a purple bus that they served lavender ice cream from oh. at the Tiny House Festival. Very so, cool. <laughs> yeah. It was pretty amazing. I guess that's when you know you're on the right path, when the universe starts, mm-hmm. you know, throwing all those coincidences. In your Absolutely. <laughs> it's interesting that, that um, <clears throat> this this movement, the tiny house movement, which some, some people are calling the tiny house staying in place because it's not going to go anywhere, um, <clears throat> that it's it spawned so much creativity. And now to even have its own um, children's book is just really phenomenal. Yeah, you know, it seems like a natural fit. We, we've met quite a few people who are families raising their kids in tiny houses. Macy Miller, in fact, of, of Tiny House People, um, her, she, her kids are in the book. She was one of our Kickstarter backers, and her dog, Denver, and her kids are oh. in an illustration oh. in the book. <laughs> page, so page, page 12. Yeah, oh. it's, you know, <laughs> so, fiction and reality blending. <laughs> nice. We, yeah, we just finished talking with a... A family of seven children that live in a uh, schoolie. Oh, were they at the Georgia Tiny House Festival? Uh, yes, Mark Frederick. Yeah, I think I talked to those kids. I was really impressed with how they uh, did the bunk beds. We they, were just they packed a lot them. into their bus. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, how how quickly did this book come together? Very quickly. Very quickly. Very quickly. It sounds like uh, it. Yeah, really, we mm-hmm. met... We met Alexis and Christian in March of last year, and by April I was writing the rough draft. And uh, all through the summer I was doing sketches and kind of doing uh, trying to storyboard, yeah, storyboard stuff out, and kind of just looking at all the various vehicles and and structures within the tiny house movement and getting inspiration from that. And by uh, the first week in August, I read on stage at the Tiny House Jamboree in Colorado Springs. I didn't; it wasn't illustrated yet, but I read the draft, and it was really mm-hmm. fun. Very and then cool. we did a, like in October. Was it October? Uh, we did September, October. We did a Kickstarter drive for thirty days. To, so we funded to fund the, the book. printing, and it went to the printer in February. February. And now it's back. Nice. <laughs> That's great. Have you had publishers so, talk to you guys of any interest, or do you even want um, traditional publishing? We, this no. is the second book that we've indie published, and it, it's a deliberate choice. We, you know, we didn't even reach out to conventional publishers. That's a very slow model, mm-hmm. and we're, we're we're like a lot of tiny houses. We're DIYers. We really like creative yeah. control over our projects. Mm-hmm. And indie publishing gives us that. We like all elements of it too. We we like, you know. I mean, the the work is overwhelming sometimes because we have to wear like the marketing hat, right. and the designing hat, and the writing hat, and the you know used car salesman hat. <laughs> 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 and uh, you know, but but the fact is, if we went through traditional publishing outlets, it might take up to three or four years for a book. I mean, you have to sell it first, and that in itself can take 
a year or two, depending on, you know. Sure. But first, you have to find an eight. There's a lot it's of like gatekeepers. There's a lot of gatekeepers, and we don't like gatekeepers. We like to, <laughs> we like to have the keys to our gate. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Susan, you and I haven't really gotten a chance to, to sit down and chat quietly. Again, we see each other a lot, but we're also doing other things. So um, I'm actually also wrote an a illustrated children's book called Adventures in Oregon. Um, I oh, also I have a, an illustration partner myself. And uh-huh. so my question really is about the creative process. Um, it's one thing to be inspired, and it, but it's another thing to walk through the creative process and, and interact with your illustrator and uh, make sure that you both have the same vision and make sure you're keeping to your timelines and so forth and so on. So <laughs> beyond the vision is the hard work. Talk a little bit about your relationship between the two of you, um, what you agreed on, what you disagreed on. Um, and how that process sort of worked. Um, for me, what I would do is I would write a chapter. I would send it to the illustrator. She would send me the rough drafts of the of the illustrations. I would say yes for this one, no for that one, or the whale needs to be skinnier or whatever. And then I'd send it back. So did you have a similar creative process? Talk a little bit about that. Um, I would say that Courtney and I work very closely from the beginning and throughout the creative process. We're uh, we're we're blessed. We're really good friends. We're moms. We've known each other for a dozen years since yeah. we had kids the same age in a mommy and me class, and our kids have gone to the same schools ever since. And and we started writing very organically in 2012. We were both going through some, you know things that were causing us grief and we were consoling each other and we sort of came up with an idea for a book our first book sun kisses moon hugs and it was just a very natural process it usually you know it starts with an idea that we're talking about and then the words start dropping through me i'm writing you know poetry and i start writing and then i'll show it to courtney and that will spark her creative process yeah yeah so it's there is no break, really. I mean, we. I say we know in traditional publishing or traditional writing, you know, the the writer sells the story, and then it goes to a, an anonymous illustrator that they never, sometimes, never meet. Never the publisher. Interact. The publisher, publisher will select the, yeah. the and illustrator. The way we were, I'm, I'm from advertising. I, I had a copywriting partner, so I it was constant like back and forth ideas, throwing ideas and changing things and. And helping each other, I'd come up with words, and he would come up with pictures. You know, so Susan and I worked the same way, and I really liked that interaction. Um, you know, throwing ideas yeah. against the wall and seeing what's great and what's, you know, what needs to be reworked. And so yeah, we're sort of like a design build team in tiny yeah. house. You know, like so it's, language. It's not, you know, I hired her to write a story, or she hired me. It's kind of, it's more like, hey, we got an idea. Let's right. Oh, I think Tiny should go do this, or she's like, "Oh, I think you know, we need we need this character in here. We need another character." Right, in and here. she's showing me, you know, as she's gathering all these image files, and I'm also gathering images. It's like, "Oh, we need an airstream, and how about a houseboat?" And, right, and then and then I start brainstorming, right, like images and verses and um, right, yeah, so, it just kind of just flows together. Interesting. Um, would you mind? Um, reading a few Ooh. passages from the oh, book? 
my favorite thing. (laughs) (laughs) One of our really favorite things about this job is going into schools and reading. And in fact, while I was at the Georgia Tiny House Festival, it was Dr. Seuss Day, the day before the festival started. So I went and read the book to 200 first graders at Putnam County Primary School in Georgia. And it was fantastic. They all said it was their favorite book they've ever heard. Oh, (laughs) that's so cool. (laughs) So would you like, should I begin from the beginning? Or do you want it just a passage? Uh, just somewhere, somewhere, the most, what you think the most interesting part, part is. Okay. Um, all right. So why don't you do the, the end? Set the scene. <laughs> yeah, you got to set the scene <laughs> for us. <laughs> there was a far- Once there was a farmhouse in a field of hay, but while it lay sleeping, the acres gave way to a bustling city whose bright, shiny towers edged out the farmhouse, the fields, and flowers. Clever hands salvaged the windows and doors, recycled the wood from the walls and the floors. Hoping to find a more neighborly view, they picked up those pieces and built something new. And here's where I need audience participation. So repeat after me. With some nails and a saw. With some some nails nails and and a saw. And a hammer with a claw. And a hammer with a claw. They made. They made. A sweet little house, cozy and snug, with a tiny front porch and a red braided rug, a tuck-away table and a neat little nook for writing a letter or reading a book. A loft made for sleeping and happy stargazing and dreams of a life that was big and amazing. Cabinets crafted from fallen down trees and best of all wheels so he could go where he pleased. Though they didn't have room for all their old stuff, what they decided to keep was exactly enough. To be continued. Wow. <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, That's awesome. I have goosebumps, and I wish you could see Perry's face. <laughs> he looks he looks like a second grader. He, does. <laughs> he is absolutely glowing from ear to ear, yeah. and I am. I think I'm going to cry. He's, he's wishing he could redo that opening rap he did. Is what he's doing. <laughs> 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 it's like, it's just that sadder. <laughs> that was so beautiful. Yeah, that was great. Wow. <laughs> There's like magic in those words. She has this wonderful, wonderful opportunity to go to all the tiny house events and schools. And it's a whole different level of advocacy. It is. She is engaging and she has color books and she talks to the children. Of course, you know, we're we're really, uh, what do you call it, conditioning the next the next generation. Um, Mm -hmm. So I I hope I hope this is the first of many. And I and I it's been thoroughly enjoyable to interact with her at every event we've been at and and with you i've learned so much going to all your little um talks at the 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 workshops are you guys planning to do more books like this tiny house movement type we we never know um i don't know we don't have a a tiny house sequel planned yet but we have some other books in the pipeline that we're working on one is an artist biography um but yeah we're really looking forward to just getting out more and talking to kids and i do think it's a it's an opportunity to seed new ideas, you know, that bigger is not necessarily better. Mm-hmm. I don't think that that has made a lot of people in this country very happy, always striving after, you know, bigger, bigger, bigger. I think what's lovely about the tiny right. house movement Consuming. is to focus on your life and living your dreams and connection and working with your hands and um, making stuff, making stuff. And, and kids love it. Kids love to draw their own little tiny house on wheels. We've read it to a lot of, you know, kindergarten yeah. and first graders and it engages their imagination and they they naturally want to make faces on their houses. You know, <laughs> so who they, doesn't want to make, who faces? doesn't want to make faces out of shutters and <laughs> the doorknob. And, um, so, so it's really fun. It, 
I think that's that's a big part of our process is working with the kids and staying kids ourselves. And the tiny house movement really brings that out. I can tell. So I wanted to focus <laughs> a little bit on on Courtney's. Cor- is it Courtney or Courtney? Can I just say Courtney? It was Courtney when I was in trouble. So it's really <laughs> <laughs> many syllables. Exactly. <laughs> so our, our the first guest we talked to today was a 15th generation builder, and it sounds like you're a f- or re- I'm reading your notes, and you're a fifth generation Californian um, yep. whose great grandfather homesteaded in the Siskiyou National Forest. Tell tell us about that story. Where did he come from, and did he get 400 acres and a mule, or, or what? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. Um, my, my uncle, <laughs> it was, it was, they took a mule and a wow. uh, portable sawmill and my uh, grandpa and my uncle Gene, my grandpa died when I was six. So my uncle Gene was kind of my uh, surrogate grandpa. I, I kind of grew up with him, but um, they, in the twenties went up to the Siskiyou National Forest and homesteaded 400 acres of land They took the sawmill up. They built this tiny little log cabin for their mom and their um, siblings. They were seven total of them. And they had a farm, and they lived up there for a while um, on and off. And um, so, yeah, so we still own the property. And when I was eight, we started, my mom organized these family reunions. So we had family reunions up there every year for 25 years. So I really got to know all of my family that lives in California, Oregon, and Washington. So everybody would kind of convene on this property once a year, and we would have a lot of good fun. Like, you know, I mean, it was just idyllic for a kid to be able to just, you know, inner tube down the Salmon River, and, you know, there was no cell phones. We just wandered around in, in the property, and sometimes you'd see a bear, and, you know, it was just really, it was cool. And it really made me appreciate, because all of these, um, People, all of these siblings in my grandfather's generation, they all were quilters, they canned, they had gardens, they, they were the DIY people. And so I really kind of glommed onto that and I, and I appreciated that. And they were storytellers. So it was really, really cool to be around them as a kid. I presume that part of the country was not called the Siskiyou National Forest at that time, was it? Uh, no, no. I, it's now, you know, we're... The property up there is surrounded by national forests. So I don't know what it was called in the 20s. Hmm. Um, it was just like, you know, they had just, it was just virgin forest. And mm-hmm. they just went up and picked their 400 acres. I don't actually know how that occurred, but it must have been something, something going on at the time, some kind of government, you know, project. My ex-husband's family actually owns four townships. They have 1,200 acres adjacent right close by there. What happened was when they... Uh, punched through the story is anyways when they punched through on the railroad um the government offered some of the railroad management and railroad company employees um the opportunity to own land that was surrounded of course by the blm and the bureau of land management so it's a it it's a really unique thing to have private land surrounded by all this public public um you know land that you have full access to wow so is the cabin still there courtney um, you know, the cabin, when I was like eight or nine, when we started the reunions, it was in disrepair and falling down because nobody had lived there for 30 years or so. And it so after about five reunions, when we came up one year, it had completely fallen. But the first year, we actually slept in there, the, us kids, all of hmm. us kids were like, we want to sleep in there, you know. Um, but yeah, no, it's not there. It had like a, it had like a little metal plaque that it was designated a... Um, 
historic landmark or something. But my wow. mom, I somewhere in my mom's stuff, she's got that. But yeah, my mom was very upset because I have a whole family of carpenters and nobody could keep this cabin standing. <laughs> <laughs> what do your sibling or what do your uh, family members build? Just regular homes or? Yeah, my my both my grandparents, my grandfathers were um, uh, carpenters and built homes up in the uh, Napa Valley, and then my I have other family members, cousins. They have construction companies, and my brother-in-law is a contractor, and he and I rebuilt part of a house that I bought uh, here in Los Angeles, and so yeah, so you know. I was able to go out and buy a bunch of like cool tool belts and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I you know, and my stepdad too was a carpenter. So he yeah, I was surrounded by guys making stuff and then going in and hammering things together and you know. And Courtney herself is quite handy with the power tools. I she do. Can I do operate like a, the saws. And do like a good jigsaw. She does. <laughs> She's got these wonderful cutouts for us for the county fair of the characters. Um, Michelle, I think you saw those at the, the museum event in Los yes. Angeles. Yes, where you yes. Could post, where you could put your head through and take a picture. Oh, yeah. like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, those are fun. So, so what, what, uh, when, at what, are you, did you go to school officially to be an artist and an illustrator? Um, or was that something also sort of organic as well? I, I actually went to Art Center. I went to Berkeley first for a while and then decided I wanted to do art. So then I went to Art Center. Um, my, his, my, uh, a uh, high school art teacher told me to go to Art Center. So That's a, a, a great art college in Pasadena. Yeah. So um, very intense. Um, but I went it to be an art director and a graphic designer in advertising because my mom was like, you can go to art school, but you need to be able to have a job. I don't want you <laughs> sketching portraits down on Venice Beach. You know? <laughs> um, so I was fine. And I was in advertising for about 15 years and met a lot of great people, had fun. But then I just got kind of tired of selling stuff that I didn't really believe in. Mm -hmm. So I kind of ventured into photography for a while. And the whole illustration thing was just kind of... A fluke, like when Susan and I were talking about how to tell our kids, um, how to show our kids that they, they're they loved and accepted, even if we're not physically present, and that's what Sun Kisses is all about, Sun Kisses Moon Hugs. Then I just started, these images started coming into my head, and as she was sending me poetry, pieces of poetry, I was illustrating, and before we knew it, we had a book. And so it was completely organic, and I'm still learning and still you know, experimenting, and even on this book, did a whole kind of new uh, technique. So it's it's really fun, and it's for the first time I feel like it's exactly what I want to be doing. It makes my soul happy. It makes me happy, even if I yeah. do have these incredible deadlines. <laughs> <laughs> it, has, it has been really fun watching Courtney's art evolve too. I mean, I I and loved the, the first too. book. I loved the second book we did. Yeah. And I adore this new book. I mean, yeah, it's just I love really the. I did not know that you could take houses and give them so much personality. You know, well, I mean, like they're really tiny. Is this sweet, vulnerable? Yeah, like a little kid, but in the form of a tiny house on wheels. Well, you know, it kind of. I love Bill Pete. He's an old Disney. I don't know if you guys know him, but he had a whole series of books in the fifties. And he had one about a little caboose who kind of, I, that was my, this tiny is kind of a uh, little ode to him. And also Little House, uh, Virginia Lee Burton. So there's like, I love children's books and children's literature. So 
we put stuff in our books that are kind of nods to our favorites. Mm. What know? were the name? What were the name of the books? The series of books where the kids lived in a caboose. Oh, the box. Uh-huh, car the box. Kids. The boxcar kids. kids. Uh, that was an awesome series. I've heard that, but I've never actually, seen one it. of our Kickstarter backers lives in a caboose. Oh, really? nice. Bob, what's his name? Something Morrell. Oh, Morrell. Bob Morrell. Yeah, hmm. in the Midwest somewhere. <laughs> I like that. I like a caboose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's nothing like a caboose. <laughs> I just like the word. <laughs> I'm a caboose man. We don't have a caboose in this book, so no. we will. We will have to yeah. do a sequel. I can't put a caboose in there because it's too much like Bill Pete. I don't yeah. want. I don't want to be a complete rip off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can do a, a nod, but yeah, not yeah. A, a total not, copy. So Susan, yeah. you are you are an accomplished writer even well before you you <clears throat> wrote this book. Tell us a little bit about your your education, your you know original foray into writing and poetry, and and the and the various projects that you've worked on as well that led you to this point. Well, I guess my original foray into poetry was when I was in kindergarten. I submitted a poem to the Galveston Library newsletter. <laughs> <laughs> that works. Yeah. I have. I have actually been writing poetry since I was a kid um, and then stories too. Writing for me is an emotional outlet. It's not, it's about the creativity for sure, but it's also a way to process my emotions, especially poetry. Um, so throughout the years I've journaled and written poetry and I've dabbled in screenplay writing. Um, I was an English major at UCLA and then I did my master's in English lit at Yale um, and was on the track to be an English professor and realized I didn't want to spend so much time analyzing other people's mm-hmm. writing and critiquing and teaching that. I mm-hmm. wanted to do more creative writing. So, yeah, a big, long detour into motherhood and a lot of volunteer types of writing, public relations and fundraising. And um, so it, it for me, this is also a lifelong dream to be a published author and to work in children's literature. Nice. So it, it's just <laughs> in the last five years, and Cordy and I have really just had this amazing trajectory into our dream career path. And it's been great. <laughs> yeah. So Susan, you're, you're married. Is that correct? I'm divorced and I have a new wonderful partner for the last few years. Okay. And then but I have, Pretty, pretty, um, that's, that's the grief I was going through when we wrote our first book, Sun Kisses, Moon Hugs. I was going through a pretty traumatic divorce. I think most of them are, I guess. Mine was. Um, and I really missed my kids. I, you know, I have joint custody of my two kids and I really missed them when they were with their dad, even though, you know, it was relatively amicable. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were, you know, they were safe and happy with their dad, but I missed them. And so that's what I was grieving um, when we wrote our first book and Courtney had just lost a really close friend um, who was the mother of a five-year-old and um, the friend died of breast cancer. So that's what we were struggling with. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, yeah. And I, I remember crying one day to Courtney because my son was seven at the time and I just felt he was too young to be away from me so much. And Courtney said that when she was little, her mom, you know, her mom had to go on trips. She would say, well, we can both look at the same moon and send each other hugs and kisses that way and always be connected. And that really touched my heart. And and that poem, Sun Kisses, Moon Hugs, just kind of came out in a big flood. And and so that was our first book. Um, Hmm. And then we, we also indie published that one. Yeah. And 
almost immediately it got into the hands of LeVar Burton of Reading Rainbow, and he was looking for someone to create his first picture book with him to help kids coping with traumatic events. So I was able to process even more of the trauma from my <laughs> divorce by um, helping write that book, um, The Rhino Swallow Storm. By helping Storm. Rhino go through his journey. Yeah, so, yeah, so it's this wonderful... It really has kind of been organic. I it mean, has been really, very organic. We've just been following what our instincts are telling us to do, and it seems to be leading us in on an interesting path, you know? Mm -hmm. With quick results, yeah. Or it seems like quick results. Well, it's five years. But it's <laughs> well, remarkable, actually. I mean, you know, it's... <clears throat> Um, yeah, like, <laughs> I think when you listen in and follow those impulses, things just open up. Um, you guys are doing a startup, you're five years in, and, and had you been doing it the way most people assumed, you'd have still been pitching that first book idea yeah. to publishers. Well, yeah, I mean, we actually, much. after, after, um, our second book with LeVar, we're like, well, let's, you know, let's go get an agent and do this traditionally, and we actually... We um, sent out a bunch of letters, and because of our like unusual collaborative style, I think we're just—they don't know what to do with us. So we couldn't—we yeah. couldn't get an agent. Mm. We, our joke is that it's easier to get a book in space than to get an agent because <laughs> the book that we co-created with Lavar Burton is actually up on the International Space Station mm -hmm. orbiting the planet. <laughs> so so cool. literally. We have a book in space, but we couldn't get an agent. Right. <laughs> so, so we thought that was just you know like. That's a okay. sign. That's fine, and we'll just do it. We'll do it our doing. way, and yeah. not even like go down that road anymore, because because you don't until, have to. It's, yeah. it's we know what we want to do. We know the books we want to create. We have a great path to creating them. We love um, the process. The, two, the process. The the two books that we've crowdfunded. That's been such a satisfying way to do things because. We create community around our books before they're even in the world. Wow. Um, you know, you have a couple hundred people that are, it's like the birth of a child. They're all anticipating the arrival and excited about it, and they're part of the process. And so we start off with community. And I think that's another thing that I love about Tiny House World right. is that sense of shared purpose and community and right. giving each other advice and support, mm -hmm. it really resonates with us. Mm -hmm. I find it very relatable that you said your creative juices get flowing when you're, you didn't say this, but you know, when you're really going through a lot and you're, when I'm miserable and drunk. <laughs> <laughs> they usually I, go hand in hand. <laughs> now. I find it much easier to write, to create. I mean, I'll wake up in the middle of the night or something and, and be really, really miserable one day. And then the next day I have this creative streak and I can, I can, I can do a lot of writing or a lot of creating all at once. So I find it, I think most people outside of the creative or outside the creative writing world thinks that when you're happy and lovely, you write things that are happy and lovely, but it's actually quite the opposite. And so I want to acknowledge that it's, I can definitely relate to that. And uh, you, I think you called it therapy. Um, it is for mm -hmm. me too. It's a really, really enjoyable. And I also love the flexibility of writing as well. You can, as you know, you can do it on a laptop. You can do it with a pencil. You can, you know, put notes in your phone. You can do it anywhere, yep. anytime. And I do all of the above. Mm -hmm. Right. You can do it with a fox. Yeah. You can do it in yeah. a box. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I know that was the first 
first book I read by myself. There you <laughs> go. <laughs> so, so we've got a lot of people that are digital nomads that listen to the show who would love to have a book published. What are a couple inside tips that you have for indie book publishing for those people living as digital nomads? Um, well, we have learned so much on this new book. I, I would say just, like, keep doing it. I mean, with well, it just depends, too, what kind of book you have. If you have a novel that's, you know, a YA or an adult novel, it's really easy to self-publish because there's so many things like Ingram Spark or there's Amazon Print on Demand. I mean, those there's so many uh, success stories where people put their, their words up and, and create books that way. It's a little more difficult with a picture book because the print on demand is really not um, financially good because it costs so much to do a, a four color you know, picture book on demand that you don't really make any money. In fact, you probably lose money. Um, so, you know, then you just have to find a printer and or align yourself with somebody who knows. And there's lots of companies out there who will help you uh, by charging you a lot of money to <laughs> go through the printing process and stuff. But we have a couple printers that we use here in the U.S. We like to, I know we have a lot of friends that print stuff in China and that's what the whole publishing world does right now because it's much cheaper. But we want to support the, you know, the industries here in America. And I, I really like having it. We printed in Minnesota. We print in Minnesota, Minnesota and in Wisconsin's our other printer. And it's just like, I like having it here. They can turn things around much more quickly. Um, I know what's happening. I, you know, I, it's like in my backyard. So what kind of book do you want to create? Mark? He was, he was speaking on behalf of the general creative person. So for us, one of the, you know, we, we've got a lot of information from different helpful people, people right. that were in the business and also we joined an association called Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators that specifically has conferences and workshops right. to help you and chapters process. and chapters like little local chapters of people who belong and who have like uh, lit meetings. Lit so, meetings. Yeah, and getting into critique groups. And Courtney and I, I like I, like one of our advantages is working as collaborators. We really drive and inspire each other, which I think is a, a nice way to work. So if it's a project that you can work with a collaborator, I highly recommend that. Um, there are some really great self-publishing guides out there right. that take you through the ins and outs. Um, this time around, we learned all kinds of interesting details about how to get a Library of Congress number if you're not a traditional publisher, how to, you know, Right. To do format your EPUBs correctly to hit different formats. So there, there's a lot to learn. I mean, I'd say 50% of our job is learning about the publishing industry. Mm -hmm. um, we're very fortunate that Courtney had her background in graphic design. She's very comfortable working with the printer and right. uploading all of the files and meeting the printing specifications. And that's not something that would be my forte, but that's her a skill set she comes with. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. Well, well, I love the journey that you guys are on, and congratulations on this book and tying it Thanks. into the tiny house movement. You've got a, I'm sure that you're getting a very warm reception from this group of people because they are so, I was going to say rabid, but I'll say enthusiastic about <laughs> what they're doing. And to see it <laughs> being, passionate. yes, passionate. passionate is even better. And to see it being spread to children is, is a great way to keep the movement going. So, um, yeah, you know, it's kind of a book for everybody in the tiny house movement and we're, we're excited. It's going to be 
not even even when we're not at festivals, people are going to be reading it in North Carolina, Dallas Earth Day, and uh, so it's it's great how it's been embraced by so many people. All you need now is a YouTube video of Samuel Jackson reading the book. Oh my, <laughs> that'd be awesome! <laughs> that'd be awesome. <laughs> we need to get Lamar Burton to do it for us. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Well. Courtney and, and Susan, thank you so much for being on the show tonight. Today, I don't know why I'm saying tonight because I think I'm David Letterman. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hope you good luck in the future and Tiny Housers. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of us droning on and having and interrupting a fabulous guest. Join us next week when we'll do the same. Um, do we know who we're going to be talking with? No, no, not we're not sure. confirmed for the we're next show yet. Okay, well that's okay. But it's there will be someone, and they will be interesting. Absolutely, <laughs> as usual. Bye. Bye. See you on the flip side. Thank you for listening to Tiny House Podcast. To find us online, go to tinyhousepodcast.com, where you will also find our show notes, if we remember to put them there. Our logo was designed by the amazing Carolyn Maine. Our website is hosted by the gang at Sitecast. Our theme music is by Oma Studio. Please go to iTunes and give us a five-star rating, or whatever. You tiny house loving bastard. Tiny House Podcast is probably made in Portland, Oregon. 